Welcome back to another episode of Chit and Chat, the encouraging one other podcast. 
I'm beyond excited today to introduce my guest. She was born and raised in Alberta, Canada. She went to London to study dance and performing arts. In 1980, she was offered her very first role in a musical sci-fi film called The Apple. And in over three decades, she has worked in more than 50 productions, including movies and TV. I'm a big fan of her work, especially movies from my generation, the 80s, like Weekend at Bernie's, The Night of the Comet, and one of my all-time favorite films, The Last Starfighter. And she has done many, many more. I'm so excited to pick her brain and, and ask her who has encouraged her, who has inspired her during her career. So kick back and relax. This is Chit and Chat, the encouraging one on the podcast with actress Catherine Mary Stewart. Hello. Hello there. Hi. <laughs> awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, today uh, I did a brief little bio ahead of time, and so I recorded a little snippet. But I'm excited. I've been myself a few times a day, but I'm still shocked you said yes. So thank you so much for taking out of your, <laughs> as, as your busy day to join me today on Chit and Chat. Well, thank you for uh, adjusting the time for me. And no problem. Before <laughs> we dive into some great conversations, I like to throw some icebreaker questions at my guest. So, okay, get you off your toes a little bit. So uh, <laughs> let's get ready. Are you ready? I guess so. Uh, what movie did you wish you could watch for the very first time again and why? Ooh, which movie? Um, I'm going to have to go with my, my probably my favorite movie, which is Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. And why would I want to watch that again? Because um, it, I found it so inspiring, first of all. And when I saw it the first time I was uh, studying dance and it inspired me on that level, the music was incredible. Um, I loved the music. And, um, and I mean, it, it told me a story that I wasn't really that familiar with. I mean, I knew, but um, it kind of explained it to me in a way that made sense. And when, when was that? Oh, well, when it first came out, which was, oh, when was that? Um, 1973, <laughs> okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so question number two, there's a zombie apocalypse coming. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not <choose> again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I, I would go with that. You, you did been there, done that. And you yeah. got to choose three people to be on your team, either, you know, actresses or actors or even characters you have played. Who's your who's your threesome? You you're yourself and three other people. Myself and three. Well, me and definitely. Uh, well, I'll have to say Reggie and Sam from Night of the Comet because they okay. could handle themselves, right? They could look <laughs> after themselves. Um, let me think. Uh, well, um, hmm, I want to say. Well, from uh, Alien, maybe okay. the oh, the actress from Alien. 
Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. She's she's tough. That's three right there. Me, there Reggie, Sigourney Weaver, and uh, Sam from Night of the Comet. You should do some damage to that that uh, team right there. You should you save That's the world. Right. That's correct. Uh, you have to wear a t-shirt with one word on it for a year. What word do you choose? Oh, one word on it for a year. Um, purpose. Purpose. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because I believe that we all need purpose in life whatever that is to whomever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered that when um, my father, uh, when my mother passed away, my father kind of lost purpose. Mm-hmm. And I really, that, it, it really drove home to me how important purpose is for people just to keep moving forward in their lives, keep interested, keep, excited about their lives um people need purpose and sometimes people forget that you know you'll see people retire and they go home and they just kind of disappear because they don't know what to do with themselves right so i i just i i believe really strongly in that that you really need to have purpose okay Mm -hmm. what song best describes your life <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, um, oh my gosh. You are taking me off guard with all these things. Oh, I, I, I love so many songs. Let me think. I'm just going to have to think off the top of my head. You're killing me here. <laughs> Let me see. Um, oh, you can pick three good. if you want. I, I'm not very good at these things. <laughs> <laughs> these kind of off the top questionnaires um looking in my i'm looking in my list of music now see see how you caught me off guard I, I, uh, I try, it has to be something definitely upbeat and, and positive uh oh lordy <laughs> this yeah, this is going to take up the whole time now uh, Just, well. okay yeah. anyway i gotta go <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the great interview. Uh, how about All You Need Is Love by the Beatles? There you okay. go. We'll go with that. That's good. That that goes with your purpose as, as well. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, off the top of your head again, sorry. Uh-uh. Oh, my <laughs> what, God. As many movies and, and shows as you've done, who are your top five actors you really enjoyed working with? Uh Okay, well, that went to, yeah, I can dig that question. Well, I, um, you know, I, I love, I, I love meeting all the different people and the different experiences with every actor that I've worked with. Um, the Last Starfighter was a pretty a pivotal movie for me because it was the first movie I did in LA when after I, oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, no problem. I can turn. I can turn that off. Um, <laughs> and it was, of course, it was spam. I mean, does anybody get phone calls nowadays that isn't spam? I don't think so, except for you, just today. Well, you Thank texted. You. Me. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, so 
the last starfighter was a you know hugely pivotal for me in my life and i have stayed very very good friends with lance guest who played alex um uh in night of the comet which followed uh the last starfighter uh kelly maroney and i have stayed very good friends um and so that's sort of a a sign of uh you know Mm um just great a great experience um let's see people that i've worked with i mean you're saying people that i've worked with that i've stayed really close to or is that what you are the question Either or, uh, or to work on the or, set with, or a particular movie, or even you know you stay in contact with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've had the I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing, amazing people. Um, so I feel so grateful for that. I loved working with Jeffrey Lewis, for instance, in Night of the Comet. Um, I'm still. I did a movie called Mischief just after Night of the Comet, actually. And I'm still really good friends with Doug McKeon, who was, he, he played the kid on On Golden Pond. Okay. Um, and Chris Nash, which, who was also in Mischief. I had the opportunity to work with some incredible people on a, a mini series that I did called Hollywood Wives. So that always, you know, that's always sticks with me. Angie Dickinson was in that and oh, wow. she kind of, she kind of took me under her wing and I will forever be grateful to her for that because I was just sort of the young green actress <laughs> in amongst this incredible cast of Anthony Hopkins was in it. Um, Rod Steiger was in it. Candace Bergen was in it. Like these amazing people. So in, in that case, it was, it was incredible because I got to really kind of watch and learn um, so that's always uh, really fun. Um, I've, I've ha- you know, I've worked with so many incredible people. I did a movie called uh, Dudes with John Cryer and Daniel Roebuck, who I'm still in touch with. They were wonderful to work with. I did a movie with uh, Joe Pantoliano, who's incredible. Um, I, so, you know, there, I could go on and on and on. I worked with Christopher Reeve and Charles Bronson, who were wonderful. I mean, most Who people that I've... Everybody? Yeah, that's a lot of people. Most people that I've worked with um, have been just incredible. Like in Weekend at Bernie's, Terry Kaiser, who played Bernie, is just still the most lovely man. I just adore him. Um Ah, goes on and on. I worked with Rod Steiger twice. I did a thing called Passion and Paradise. And I he played my father in Passion and Paradise. And he played this big producer in Hollywood Wives. So, um, you know, it was really kind of cool to work with him a couple of times. Yeah, I, I, I can't complain. I mean, I, I, like I said, I've worked with some incredible people. And I've really, for the most part, enjoyed every moment. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, if you give yourself your younger your younger self some advice that you learned over the years, what would that be? Maybe some some advice someone gave you, or do you want to give to your younger self any any words of wisdom? <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Well, in a way, I uh, w- wish I had taken the things that happened to me a little more seriously. Although I so. 
I, I started out as a dancer. I love dance. I was passionate about dance. And I, after high school, I moved to London to study. And I studied in this um, um, arts school that focused on dance, but also offered like acting and singing and, and all this other stuff. So when I ended up getting my first role, uh, I felt pretty prepared, but I, I sort of was like, well, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. Um, and if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to dance, which was sort of my first love anyway. Um, so what happened was I ended up moving to Los Angeles and it was like this snowball of um, opportunity and work and things like that. And it's not that I wish I'd taken it more seriously. I wish, I guess, I'd been more prepared in a way for you know, what to do with what I had. Um, and I think that actors nowadays are much more prepared in that way. It's, it's a completely different business nowadays. Um, and I think that is a part of their world. I didn't know how to be on camera and do an interview. I didn't know how to do anything. So I just sort of winged everything. <laughs> but for the most part, I really have no regrets because I had so much fun doing what it was I did. Um, and I, I'm so grateful every day of the life that I have. So, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I, I sort of feel like I said, you know, had I been more prepared for everything that happened for me, that might've been great. Yeah. But looking back in retrospect, I have no regrets and I'm grateful for the path that my life has taken me on. When you mentioned you moved to LA and started, you know, you dabbled in, in acting, was there someone who encouraged you to do that, to try out or, uh, or you just kind of go for it yourself? Well, what happened was uh, when I was in London, I auditioned, I was dancing, I was training as a dancer there, the school that I mentioned. And I happened to tag along with a couple of friends of mine from class, from dance class, who had heard about this dance audition. And they said, yeah, we heard about this dance audition for this uh, rock musical movie that's being cast in London. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. And I sort of was remembering my mentor from, like I'm from Canada originally, my, me my dance mentor said, when you go to London, just take advantage of every opportunity that you have to audition for things or just try new things. And she encouraged that. And that, that sort of on my little shoulder, I heard her voice saying, take advantage of any opportunity. And it was truly out of the blue. I, I really wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't prepared. You know, when you go to an audition, generally they require that you, yeah, I don't know, bring something to sing or something like that. At any rate, I just showed up and um, I was audition doing the dance audition. It was like a cattle call audition. There had to be like 200 people in the room. And the director saw me and pulled me out and asked me if I could act. And of course I said, yes. <laughs> and um, he auditioned me. He had me read for this role and I ended up getting it. And it was the lead role in this rock musical. Um, and that's how I got into acting. So that was my intro into acting. So I was living in London at the time. Um, that production company, which was Canon Films, 
encouraged me to come to LA after that. I went, I, I, I sort of, after the movie, I went back to Canada for Christmas and actually <laughs> a friend of mine who's a casting director cast me in a little movie in Canada while I was there. And then I went back to London and they said, you know, you ought to come out to LA and just see what happens. So I did. And um, I was just, you know, young and just full of life and vim and vigor. And I thought, what the heck? I'm going to try that now. <laughs> so I did. And um, that's that. Yeah, that's how my whole career started. I ended up on Days of Our Lives for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was doing some research and, and, and the Apple was a 1980 sci-fi musical. <laughs> that, uh, that sort of. <laughs> it was it was a it was kind of billed as a futuristic rock musical. Okay. Loosely based on the Adam and Eve kind of theme. Okay. <laughs> so it's about a couple of young musicians, singer-songwriters, who are from, as it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out from some I called Moose Jaw, um, that entered this song competition. And it's kind of this futuristic world where everything is run by this huge uh, music producer who's called Boogaloo. And he has, he, he sort of controls people through music. And so he also determines what kind of music people listen to. And we come out there and we sing this little love song and um, everybody responds to it in a, like the, generally the music is very hard rock and driving and singing and loud. And, and we come out and sing this little love song and everybody responds to it really, really well. So his, his so he feels like, Lulu feels like he's losing control of, you know, his people, mm-hmm. if they're gonna like love songs because that's not in his agenda. So he, um, signs us to a contract and so it, it, the it, it, the comparison with the Adam and Eve story is signing the contract is like biting into the apple mm. um although um my singing partner his name's Alfie and my name's Dee Dee he doesn't sign he doesn't sign it because he's he can see that this guy is up to no good but I do I'm like I want to be a movie I want to be a singing rock and roll star <laughs> So I sign up and it's a, it's sort of about my journey and how it's not a very great one. And my boyfriend kind of, you know, can't get hired just for any music. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately though, he rescues me. So uh, he rescues me from the, the grasp of the evil boogaloo. <laughs> uh, you're also in, in one of my favorite TV shows, Night Rider. How cool was yeah. that? Oh, it was so much fun. It was like one of the very first things I ever did. And um, yeah, I was a huge fan mm-hmm. of the show too. So it was really fun being on it. And, and the voice of Kit was is uh, William Daniels, who plays Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World. I think he's still alive, I believe. <laughs> oh, is that right? Wow. I don't know. I, I don't I don't remember that. But that was kind of fun driving in Kit because you sort of saw how what the it sort of the secret was revealed, put it that mm-hmm. way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you moved to LA, you did Days of Our Lives. Uh, what was that like being on a soap opera? Yeah, that was um 
really, really hard work. I thought dance was hard and it, it is. Dance is very hard. It's very disciplined. There's a lot, it's physical, obviously. It's a lot of training. If you're dancing in a group, you have to be perfectly coordinated um, with everybody else. But the thing that I found so difficult about doing a soap opera was having to memorize the lines that you had to memorize. It was, um, it, it, it was incredibly hard work. If you compare doing a soap opera with like doing a movie, for instance, um, a movie that's maybe an hour and a half long will take six to eight, six to eight weeks to shoot. On a soap opera, Days of Our Lives specifically, it was um, a, an hour show that we shot in one day. So meaning if you had a heavy storyline at the time, you had a, you could have up to 50 pages of dialogue. So uh, it was, it was very, very challenging. And um, yeah, as it turns out, memorizing that much dialogue is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> Does a theme song ever get old? Like Sands of the Hourglass? So are the days of our lives? Yeah, like Sands of the Hourglass. Oh yeah, it stirs up a lot of memories every time I hear that. It's funny, so I was just watching it yesterday. I just, I flicked on the TV and Days of Our Lives was on. So I watched, I don't recognize anybody anymore, but you know, the occasional, they have a, they have something on Peacock now, like yep. a, an extension of Days of Our Lives. So I don't know what that is, but. While you were acting on Days, you tried out for Star Last Starfighter. You're doing Days in the daytime and Starfighter at nighttime. What was that experience like? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I had a couple of days that overlapped. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but I did have a couple of days. So that was pretty challenging because we did do a lot of night shooting for the last Starfighter. So it was challenging yet. I was lucky because I was available to do, to shoot the last Starfighter. You know, I, I, if I was working on days during the day, I, um, I was available at night, although I was gonna be pretty tired by the end of the night um so it it was it you know the last the experience of the last starfighter was so much fun and and such a it was a lovely lovely experience i mean it was really truly it was a little film but it was a labor of love it had incredible actors in it too i mean robert preston dan o'hurley he i mean they they had incredible actors and um Nick Castle, the director, he, he was, he loved, I mean, we were kids, Lance Guest and I were kids and he loved kids. You know, he was a kid himself. He still is. Yeah. He's like a kid. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like going from days of our lives and going, Oh no, I have to shoot my uh, last starfighter now. It was a truly pleasurable transition. And what was that movie filmed at? Um, it was filmed uh, north of Los Angeles in an area called Antelope Valley. Um, yeah, it was it was shot like the the bits that I was in, which were on Earth as opposed to Lance, who was in outer space quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it was shot in Antelope Valley in a trailer park that they kind of that was a a working trailer park, but the production came in and dressed it, you know, so they kind of bumped it up a little bit mm. um but yeah that's where we shot we would drive out there every day and just maybe an hour drive maybe 45 minutes to an hour um to this location that i it's funny i was just uh looking online 
I'm just looking at some stuff online. There's a, a site for the last starfighter and somebody had been there recently and taken a bunch of pictures, you know, it's, it looks a little bit different, but it's still there. Yeah. I, I, I follow that page now too. I'm like, Oh, it's a, I try to memorize memory from the movie. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great memories from that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, if kids today watch the last starfighter, it looks kind of cheesy, but man, the last starfighter was the earliest uh, CGI movies. And I just started that, whole process what was that like i know well it's funny because when we were shooting it i i don't know if anybody well i, I assume the, you know the director and the producer all knew that this was going on but i didn't have a clue that they were sort of developing this new fangled thing called cgi behind the scenes um it's a, it was really up in the air whether or not they would use practical special effects which are models and things like that or they would try using this digitized thing. But what was happening, it had never been done before to this extent. So they were literally creating the programs while we were shooting the movie. And they were on this time, they were on this time limit that if they didn't have it sophisticated enough for the movie by the, by a certain period of time, they were gonna just go with the practical special effects. Um, and um, um they managed to 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 do what they did. I know that at the I was at the twentieth anniversary of the last Starfighter, that which is when I learned all this stuff. They had all the technical guys up there for a Q and A after the movie, and I learned that they were all you know, however many of them there were sitting in this big room with these giant computers creating these programs that had never been created before. Uh, you know, almost 24 seven. And every once in a while, you'd sort of hear this Eureka, somebody come up with something. I, I don't know how it all works. But they they did say that they wish they'd had more time to get, you know, create more detail mm -hmm. um, with some of the stuff. But it's it was really the foundation. That movie is the foundation for CGI for yes. what you see today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when you tried out for the movie, can you share some of the, uh, the behind the scenes a little bit of, of the actresses and how did you and Lance kind of team up and they go, I want those two. I'm sure there were other big names around this at 80, you know, 84, a lot of big names back in those days. Oh, sure. The, what was it? The Brat Pack was big then. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I remember seeing, I think, I mean, it was a long time ago now, <laughs> um, but I, Ali Sheedy was at a lot of these kind of auditions. Eric Stoltz. Um, I, I don't know. I think I remember seeing those two there. Um, I ac actually auditioned with Lance um, for the callback. You know, so you go in and you read and then they call you back and they, they paired me with Lance. And um, we went in and read for the director and the producers and everything. And we did a little bit of, you know, we just kind of made some junk up to sort of I remember they said just you know um so that scene at the lake so you know just pretend that you're at the lake and just, you can make some dialogue up or whatever and um they so we all he and I lied on the floor in this little room and they kind of were talking about the stars and things like that you know um but uh yeah I think they really wanted to uh, use a, a couple of actors that weren't as recognizable as, as you know, 
some of the big young actors of the day. Mm-hmm. So that was that. So Lance and I fit into that that uh, profile, you know. <laughs> I watched and, a lot. Of, I watched uh, a lot of videos for this, and, and just kind of getting the gist of the whole concept. And I, I saw a video Lance did. He goes, "It took thirty eight days to film that movie. That it's insane." Wow, I didn't even know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, there's, uh, I don't remember all the details about it, but uh, yeah, I mean, 38 days, that's, especially nowadays, that's not a bad schedule. I mean, it, get, it seems to be getting tighter and tighter and tighter because it used to, it, it, I mean, back in the day, they would take a couple of months to shoot a movie. Now it's like, get it out in 12 days, you know? <laughs> so I came across it, an article that Nick Castle wrote. He, go, he goes, the original... Name of Maggie and Alex weren't Maggie and Alex. It was Skip and Penny, but he thought it was too cartoony. That's why he went with Alex and Maggie. <laughs> oh wow, Skip and Penny, I love it. Alex and Maggie, yeah, Megs. And, and the initial, um, they they changed the location from the city to the suburbs because the ET came out around time frame. They wanted something out in the neck of the woods that wasn't like ET. So that's also a little extra digging. So. Something. Oh, that's yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I love this. I'm I'm learning so much from you. I do a lot of work. I love this. This is my favorite movie. Uh, I, I I'm hoping you could maybe tell me. I love to see a sequel, especially with all the all the cool things going on now with the technology. And I think this the storyline could keep going. Can you mm-hmm. any of a sequel possibly? Oh, I'm telling you, they've been talking about it for several years. Um, Jonathan Betchel, who is the original um, writer, so he he uh, I guess Universal owned the script, so that, that I guess that's what happens when you write a script, you sell it to you know a production company or a, a studio or whatever. But there's this new rule in the writers' uh, union, I guess, where after well, it's not, I'm not sure that it's that new, but after 30 years. If you if the writer wants the property back, which is the script and the story, they have to give it back to him. Oh, wow. So um, after thirty years, Jonathan Betchwell uh, owns the script and the story again, and he has uh, he's written a sequel, and they've been trying to um, sell it. They've been, it's been out there for a while, so uh, I feel like. Sooner than later, there's definitely going to be a sequel made. He's he Nick has talked about it. Uh, Jonathan has talked about it. They've given a given Lance and me sort of the basic storyline, um, which is kind of exciting because we would be included in it. Uh, yeah, so I I think within the next couple of years, there's definitely going to be a sequel made. Well, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that awesome and what's really what's great also is that jonathan is a part of it it's not like some new person has come in to like write a sequel for the last starfighter so i feel like it's going to maintain its authenticity and integrity and i'm sure the special effects will be much better this time (laughs) but hopefully you know hopefully the what's what's sort of great about this little movie is it's about these characters that you can relate to you know it's it's about the characters it's character driven it's about a story about this young man who discovers he has this talent he's 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 so depressed and so down 
And then it, it just completely turns around for him and he takes advantage of that. Um, it, it's such a lovely story that is inspiring and people can relate to, um, as opposed to some, some of these, oh my gosh, I watched a movie the other day with my husband and I was just like, I don't know. First of all, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the story of these characters are, but boy, there was a lot of shooting and a lot of exploding and a lot of fighting where yep. nobody really gets hurt somehow. Some guy had his face exploded in the, like a cannon and he's, he was fine. He was like, yeah, okay, I can keep fighting. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it, it's, it's, and it just doesn't, nothing, you know, it, it, there's no story. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's insane to me. So that to me is what stands out in things like the Last Starfighter and Night of the Comet and this these older movies that are about you know real characters and extraordinary situations that people can relate to and and be inspired by. We're gonna to touch base on Night of the Comet, but I have a quick question about Weekend at Bernie's. When you uh -huh. read that script, you're like, um, a dead person. Um, what, were, what was your thoughts about the script for Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> right. So I, I, I knew that it was going to be, I knew all the people that were involved, like Ted Kotcheff, the director, and Jonathan Silverman, Andrew McCarthy, and all these people, and Terry Kaiser. And I thought, and, and I also hadn't really done uh, comedy before on that level. So um, I really, really wanted to be in this movie based on the fact that it was kind of a, a big production and a comedy, something different from what I'd done before. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the idea of this dead body being dragged around everywhere and Every banging into buoys and things like that, I thought, that's not funny. That's kind of gross. <laughs> that's kind of awful. I, I can, well, how, how wrong was I? I mean, people love that. I, I kind of, it was, to me, it was sort of like one of the very first kind of sophomoric um, comedies, you know, that were just this crazy, off the wall, slapstick, bizarro comedy that uh, boys especially just think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was such a good experience. I mean, I had so much fun and, and it, it's become this iconic movie that is commented on all the time in, in different TV shows. Just, you know, it's always referenced, which is kind of neat to be a, involved with something like that. Some about 80s movies, I think 80s movies will never go away. It's, I mean... Night of the Comet, Weekend Bernie's, Back to the Future, all these movies in the 80s were just the the first Red Dawn. You know, I'm like, this is so, they never go away. I mean, 80s movies are awesome, I believe. Yeah, I mean, there's some, that which is a real statement. I mean, I, you know, I think a lot of the movies that you see today, I don't know if you can say that. You know, all these, the like this, you know, one Marvel movie after another Marvel movie after these superhero movies that are one after, how do you even remember them, first mm -hmm. of all? And um, and do they have that sort of longevity and that impact? I don't think so. And I, I'm kind of sad for today's young audience because 
that's what they're exposed to. They're not exposed to these little movies that'll never go away, that had such an impact. I mean, they'll, they, everything is just sort of short term and in your face and, you know, immediate, sort of immediate kind of uh, reaction sort of movies. But do they really stick with kids? Right. I don't know. I yep. don't know if they do. And it's it's too bad because it's also become the industry is sort of is become it's always been a business for sure mm -hmm. but it's become nothing but making as much money on the uh, piggybacking the last thing that made a, a bunch of money um you know just making as much money as quickly as you possibly can period right that's all it's about it's not about the story it's not about I don't know. In my opinion, a lot of these movies. There, there are some smaller movies that uh, are great. I love uh, European movies, for instance. They're they're always pretty character driven, and you sort of come out really thinking about what just happened, and and sort of inspired. But yeah, it, it's just too bad. We're we're in a period where it's about making as much money as you possibly can make as quickly as you can possibly. And meanwhile, they're dumb, in my opinion, they're kind of dummying down the audience and and the people that are worst affected by it are the younger audience because they yep. don't know what else to see, what what else there is, there, what other potential there is. Uh, the night of the comet was a zombie end of the world uh, mm -hmm. where you and Sam, Kelly Mor uh, Moroni wake up, mm -hmm. everybody, everyone's gone. <laughs> Can you share mm -hmm. about filming that movie with the you know, the, the empty city? How was that? Just you two interacting for the most most part, most of the movie. I'm sorry. What's the question? When you you and Kelly were you know Sam in this movie were yeah. acting together. It basically, mm -hmm. it was just you for a, a while, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the two of us, right? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was wonderful. I mean. That to I I kind of refer to that particular movie because it was less than a million dollars and very low budget, but again, you know, what was attractive about it was that it was so different and so unique. It was character driven. I loved the character of Reg because um, she was so different from what I had normally played, like in the last Starfighter, kind of the girl next door. I I kind of been tagged with that kind of image. So um, when this opportunity came along, I was I was really thrilled because I also feel like Reg is a little bit more like me anyway. Um, and it, it, the budget was very low. We, I call it guerrilla filmmaking. Um, and we were just kind of all in it together. You know, it was like a group effort. Um, uh, Tom Eberhardt, who wrote the movie, had such a unique, interesting uh, idea of what it should be that producers actually wanted it to be more of a horror zombie kind of a movie. Because this one didn't really fit into the way it was written, it didn't really fit in neatly into any particular genre. It was kind of funny, sort of tongue in cheek. It was kind of like a Valley Girl movie in a way. You know, these girls that just want to shop. But it was also had the zombie element and it was scary. So it kind of, it was sort of a comedy adventure horror movie, you know? Um, so, but that's what I think makes it stand out as well. It's just different, you know, it wasn't, 
just going for one regular genre. It was crossing a bunch of lines, and I think people enjoyed that. Is it true you did most of your stunts in that movie? Um, well, I didn't ride the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> that was one stunt that I couldn't do, but I did fight the zombie in the back alley. And that was really fun for me. I, I mean, the guy who played the zombie was a, a stunt guy, so he really knew what he was doing. And so I felt perfectly safe in his hands, first of all. And um, with my dance background, I sort of felt coordinated and flexible and that kind of thing. So that that was super fun. I mean, there weren't a ton of um, stunts to do. I mean, I guess, you know, there really weren't. I mean, we, we did have to learn how to... Um, shoot a Mac 10 submachine gun. Yeah. Uh, so we went and we practiced on a, a, a shooting range because you just have to be so careful with guns. I mean, it's very, very important to know what you're doing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there were a ton of stunts, but aside from riding the motorcycle, cause I didn't know how to, and I still don't to this day, I <laughs> did everything else. <laughs> Uh, while being an actress, have you pondered like what if uh, directing or producing, uh, you know, down the road, or have you already? Um, well, yeah, I have directed. I, I've direct, I've directed a couple of short films, um, and right now, actually, a, a project that I co-wrote and want to direct or will direct. Um, it's just whether or not I'll actually play the lead role or not. I'm, that's still up in the air, but um, we've been working on that for a couple of years and it's slowly, you know, moving along. In fact, my latest little project here is breaking down the script for the production and um, doing a shot list, what, what shots I would like for each scene and, and whatnot. So that's, I'm, I mean, I'm learning everything as I'm going. Mm -hmm. I, I know from my, experience in directing that I love directing. I just love kind of aspect of filmmaking. It's very, very satisfying. And I just, you know, I, it's also having been an actor myself, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 I feel like I can communicate with actors well. Um, a lot of directors don't have the sort of background. They're they're more into editing or you know the camera or whatever, and they're not really quite sure what to say to actors. So I think it's it it's beneficial having somebody who understands where an actor is coming from, and they they're coming from all sorts of different places. So uh, it's good to know all that as well. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about directing. That's absolutely my next thing that I will be doing. So when I put my podcast, I've done, I always ask people a specific question. Has there been someone who really encouraged you throughout your career or inspired you? Oh, so many people have, um, you know, are an inspiration to me. Um, oh, there's, you know, so many actors that I, I just, I just love. Um, like you know, uh, well, one of my favorite actors is Maggie Smith. I just I adore Maggie Smith. Mm. Um, just I just you just can't take your eyes off her. Uh, and and it, it just 
actors that have gotten into producing um, and directing themselves are inspiring to me. Uh, it, it's just, I don't know that I've had one specific mentor that is, uh, that has throughout my career has kind of guided me or, or anything like that. I, um, I mentioned earlier uh, as a dancer, um, my mentor in Canada was somebody called Jill McDonald, who has always, who was always incredibly encouraging to me as a dancer specifically. And of course she's been very encouraging since. And, and since I started working on this particular project that I was talking about, um, I'm working with a producer that I worked with years ago and he's just incredible. He's just, he, you know, he makes me feel like I can do anything, which is great. And um, Arthur Albert, who was the director of photography for Night of the Comet, has been super helpful. Just, just such a lovely human being. Um, you know, I, I always encourage people to just ask. Just ask if you if you need you know some information, or if you need some help doing something, or even if you need a favor, just ask. All they can do is say no. If you never ask. It's, it's absolutely no, you know, but I find that um, people are so happy and generous to share their experience and their knowledge and help you uh, on your path, whether it's new or old or whatever. They, they, and I feel the same way, by the way, I, I'm, I, I want to if I can be of any help or information to somebody, I'm happy to do that because th that's like, it's invaluable. It's invaluable to be able to, uh, to kind of, you know, pick at somebody's brain who knows what they're talking about. Then in this process of uh, producing and, uh, you know, putting this whole project together, being able to tap into people that I've worked with in the past, um, to just help guide me through it has been invaluable. And I've always, through my career, I've always um, spent a lot of time behind the camera anyway, when I was working as an actor, I would like on my days off would go on set anyway, cause I just loved being on set and just hang out behind the camera. And I always made a note of the crew and the people that I really loved working with. And I always learned while I was on the set as well. I would ask lots of questions and just, you know, not even really with some grand plan of what it was I was going to do with all this information, but as it happens now, uh, it's all kind of coming to fruition. And um, I've, I have some great people that I can, like I said, sort of tap for information. In meeting people in person through Comic Cons and conventions, what's it like when someone gives you compliments or, you know, thanks so much, you got me into acting or whatever it could be? What's that like when you receive compliments from people? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it always blows me away. I mean, when I first started doing conventions, I was like, you know, I hadn't really been involved with you know or any knowledge of of how what what kind of a fan base some of the movies that I had done had and mm -hmm. so it, it sort of blew me away <laughs> and of course it's it's like 
the most incredible thing when people say, you know, watching that movie inspired me in my life and thank you so much for what what else can you ask for it's 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 really incredible and i i'm i'm so grateful that i'm very very proud of all the little movies that i've done and all the things i have done because i feel like they've been positive and upbeat and um hopefully on some level inspiring and when somebody says that 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 was a reaction to something I've done, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier. It, and after all, I mean, these are the people we're doing this for. It's not like, you know, some actors could be really snobby, I guess, about oh, the the fans won't they? Why don't they just leave me alone? But we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fans. Right. <laughs> so. No, you have to uh, acknowledge them and and um, uh, yeah, and just 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 enjoy and and appreciate that you've created something that they, they that they like. Mm-hmm. It really, it's I can't. It's sort of indescribable what it feels like because what what more can you ask for in life but to have inspired somebody else in a positive way. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, asking. And when I asked you to come on, I've been doing this podcast for about five months. And my concept was to reach out to people and just get their story and who encouraged them, who inspired them. Because, you know, we've all gone through some rough times. And mm-hmm. was I shocked when you said yes? Most definitely. <laughs> well, you, like I said, you just got to ask, right? Exactly. And, and I've asked a lot of people and I've gotten no, no responses from some and, and responses from others. So I get, definitely agree with you ask it never hurts to ask it never hurts to ask because all they can say all they can do is say the worst that that can happen is they don't respond or they say no yeah but if you don't ask then you'll never know so um i encourage that for everyone just ask just ask for the information and you'd be surprised at uh the positive response in general that you will get as we begin to wrap up, uh, every, any, you mentioned a few upcoming projects. Anything else you want to promote or share? Um, well, I there's a, a movie that I guess, I'm not exactly sure where it's dropped, and I quote, but um, I, um, I, I understand that this movie that I did a few months ago called Ask Me to Dance uh, has dropped somewhere. So I would say, <laughs> look that up. Um, it's, it's a lovely story about uh, a young man and a young woman who are looking for love and they keep sort of just missing each other. You know, they're literally in the same crowded room and they just keep crossing paths, but not actually connecting. Um, and then, you know, they finally do. Um, and it's just a lovely romantic story uh, based on a West Coast swing dance. Okay. Um, my friend Tom Malloy that I've worked with a bunch of times now, he, uh, he um, is passionate about West Coast swing. And so he's created two movies, both of which I've been in. Um, one was called uh, Love and Dancing. And when this one's called Ask Me to Dance, um, I'm in it. Joyce DeWitt is in it from Three's Company. Yep, yep. Um, 
Mario Cantone is in it. He was in Sex and the City. He's a, a character actor you'll all recognize. Uh, Tom is in it. Brianna Evigan is in it. Um, it's a, just a lovely, uh, sweet love story. So look for that. That's the latest thing. It's called Ask Me to Dance. Um, and then, of course, I've been working a lot on this this project that I, I'm talking about. I've talked about um, of my own, and we'll see what happens with that. As it, uh, look for the la the last Starfighter sequel. Um, you can always join me on Facebook. I'm with Catherine Mary Stewart. I'm on Instagram, Catherine Mary Stewart. I'm on Twitter. My handle is CMS, which is Catherine Mary Stewart, C-M-S-A-L-L. Um, but if you do hashtag Catherine Mary Stewart, I should come up. Um, and, you know, check out what I'm, you, you can always check out. I think I sent you the link for IMDb, mm -hmm. but people can always go on imdb.com and look up any actor but you can look up Catherine mary stewart and you'll see all the latest and greatest <laughs> any words of encouragement for someone out there who is kind of skeptical having doubts about their abilities to act or dance whatever they're you know kind of dabbling any words of encouragement on somebody to help them move forward yeah um well you know you just kind of have to dive in head first I mean, we're all skeptical. I, 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 there's not one actor on the planet Earth that doesn't go into a project thinking or being afraid that it's not going to work out. They're going to get fired. I mean, I've heard this so many times from actors, like the first week, I was so sure they were just going to fire me. You know, so um, you, all, you all you can do is all you can do, you know, which is be prepared, be professional, go in with an open heart and an open mind and and do the best job you can do, no matter what it is you're pursuing. Um, acting is is very subjective. I, I you know, you, you often hear about, oh, he's, you know, you have to go to class so you can become a good actor because there's something about good actors as opposed to bad actors, but you know what? It's a subjective thing. If the audience, every audience member will take something different from a performance. Um, and it, some might say, oh, I hated that performance. And some will say that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So you, the, I think the secret is to anything really is going in with an open heart and confidence and just doing it and, be, and being fully prepared and professional. Everybody is as nervous as you are. So just go in knowing that and, and um, do the best job that you possibly can. Outstanding words. Thank you so <laughs> much for joining today. I really appreciate taking your time out of your busy schedule and oh. the, the, the amount of movies you've done over the past three decades or so i wish you nothing but continued success you're welcome Thank back you. anytime hopefully I, I, I might connect with uh, with lance one day we'll see that'd be awesome but thank you so much for being a part of the chit and chat encouraging podcast oh i appreciate it and good luck with the podcast thank you very much take care you too this is my friend daryl dominic featuring v rose and no love
Thanks to Daryl Dom for being a part of the podcast. And I had a great opportunity a few months ago to interview him. So you want to go back a few episodes and find the interview I had with Daryl Dom. And we had a great conversation. He has a great story. And I'm glad he is a part of this podcast and sharing his amazing music for you. As I reach out to musicians from all walks of life and, and schedule them for my podcast, I like to share them, share their music uh, with you before the interview. So in a few weeks, I have this gentleman on, Mr. Hunter Lott. I'm going to share a song, Honky Donk Special.
and share some of his music on the podcast. That's Hunter Lot, Honky Tonk Special. Hungry? Craving tacos? If it's Tuesday or not, you got to have tacos, right? Takiza, tacoshop.com. They're located at the Kitsap Mall. They have tacos, tacos, and more tacos, and chimichangas, and burritos, and taco salads. You get it. They have amazing food, as well as beans, and salsa, and grilled jalapenos, my favorite. Their food's authentic, made fresh, and they're locally owned and operated. They got a Facebook page, too, and a food truck with amazing breakfast burritos. That's Takiza Taco Shop. T-A-Q-U-I-Z-A TacoShop.com Their phone number is 360-698-4335 To place an order The address is 10315 Silverdo Way, Silverdo, Washington That's Takiza TacoShop.com T-A-Q-U-I-Z-A 
tacos, tacos, and more tacos are waiting for you. It's a really tough bridge and divide for many veterans when they come home from active service. What we try to do is, is bridge that divide. My name is Brandon Marty, and I am the CEO and managing partner of Veteran Roasters Coffee. There's some great skills that can be transitioned to many different industries within coffee, and coffee's fun. We're all veterans here, veteran-owned, veteran-operated, and so there's a strong connection and trust that we all have in each other through similar service, and we support each other both personally and professionally in that growth. It's all about people here, and my goal is really to help them kind of establish a new life for them and their families, help them understand the benefits and resources available, and really create a pathway to the new phase of their lives. I want to thank Brandon Marty for being a part of the Chit Chat Encouraging One Up podcast. And their company is offering a discount when you buy bags from them. And when you use the code CHITCHAT25, we receive 25% off. And he said they're uh, all the veterans working for the company and they help veterans get on their feet, back on their feet, uh, having some tough difficult time when they transition from the military. So just check out Veteran Grocers Coffee. It's coffee with a purpose. Thank you for joining the Chit and Chat, encouraging one on a podcast today. And what a great conversation I had with Catherine and Mary Stewart. I'm still pinching myself that <laughs> I had a chance to interview her. What a great fun time we had talking about her movie she's done and her career. Also, in this podcast, you heard music by Jess Klinwitty, Daryl Dominic, and Hunter Lott. And I hope you go check out their websites and, and find the music on YouTube and just get a feel for who they are. They're amazing artists, and I'm so glad I'm able to team up with them and share their music with you. For, and as well as other musicians I've had on as well, like Joel Gibson Jr., Christy Krause, and Sherry Kagi, and so many more musicians that have come on here and this podcast and sharing their music and their amazing gift with others as well as you hear uh, Raymond Hayden's music in the background he has been a great uh, asset helping me as well in this podcast and giving me some amazing music so thank you so much and I hope you continue to follow this podcast and we encourage others and just have fun conversations with people from all walks of life so thank you for joining this is Chit and Chat This is Chit and Chat, the encouraging one other podcast. What's all about encouraging others?